every time I hit the record button, I'm thinking about the theme music. And so in a way, I wish it was like playing in my house to bring me in, but it's clearly not. So welcome back to False Expectations. This is the podcast where I talk to you guys about my opinion on life's expectations, first life's realities. And so I don't know, this week I just, I want to like dive right into this week's false expectation and it's interesting and came to my head um, because my mom was listening to the podcast uh, and her feedback to me, which all was in kindness and I took it all in kindness was, you're good at it, but you'd also be good at a real job. And it's funny if you know my mom, but it's also funny because growing up, I know exactly what she meant. Um, And so it's a great segue into my next false expectation, which is your career expectation. And what I mean is everything about your career that encompasses your career, whether it's your just your day to day job, how it works, how you got there interviewing for your career time spent personally and professionally have are all of those things exactly as you expected and I'm gonna be honest and say it took a little bit of time to get where we are right now which is recording this because emotions definitely took over me over the last week because this from time to time make this subject makes me very emotional Um, For those of you who think that I just sit with a resting bitch face, I do have emotions and I do, I am sensitive and I do cry from time to time. So I'm excited to just be here um, and recording it now. And, you know, my expectation is definitely based on my own experience, which in the most part has been in the business and corporate arena. Um, Also, you know, other than just talking to Paul, which is, you know, a joke, Um, because I don't talk to anybody else. It's also based on conversations that I have with other people, friends and family who do work, you know, in, in other industries. And my question to myself recently, I would say over the last maybe like five ish years is when it comes to my career, is it just me who hasn't had the expected experience? Meaning, is the false expectation actually that it's not 100% realistic to have the experience that you expect? Whether that means anything. I'm not going to just chalk it up to happiness because not everybody is is going to um, denote their career with happiness maybe. But I don't know, something that you said before, Paul, content. Maybe, but but just in general, has the experience that you have with your career, um, is it what you expected it to be? And so what I want to do first is sort of take you all back in time. And if you are 17 or 18 years old, then I'm not taking you back in time. We're just going to talk about the present time. So like imagine you're in high school and you're a senior in high school, and I remember I was so mischievous when I was 17 um, and never thought about, I don't know, the closest I got to thinking about my career when I was 17 was like I 
I wanted to be a fashion designer, which is crazy because if you know me, I am <laughs> the least fashionable person. And I remember somebody said to me, you have to take a textiles class or something like that, which was like fabric. I don't, I can't, I can't even. I was just going to ask you if you knew what a textile was. It's like fabric or something, I think. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be a fashion designer anymore. Um, and what's interesting is Dina, see, this is like part of the expectation is like Dina of today, I would like love to learn about textiles. Then I was like, oh, there was a time where if you knew me from, I would say like ninth grade to maybe even before ninth grade, I would change my bedroom on the regular. Like I would paint it. Sponge painting was real big for me. Like once I sponge painted my bedroom pink, teal, and gray or something like that. Also my braces, the rubber bands were that color often, quite often. That was my thing that I went to, those three colors. Um, After that, then I painted my room like teal for Hanukkah, I would ask for like new bedspreads and throw pillows. That was like really big for me. Um, and every night I would open like the comforter one night and the sheets the next night. It was like really, really spectacular, my Hanukkah presents. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe I want to be an interior decorator. And I feel like actually somebody said textiles to me about that too. And I was like, oh, I can't be an interior decorator too. I feel like you want to say something. Oh, I mean, you would just focus on teenagers' bedrooms, I guess. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna just be an interior decorator for teen bedrooms, um, and decorate their walls with Leonardo DiCaprio pictures. Um, and so I actually have zero idea. But anyway, so you're 17. You're like nothing's going through your head. 17 years old. You're cutting class. You're hanging out with your friends. You're having the time of your life, and. All of a sudden you're 18 and you're in college and you even before you get into college, you have to like figure out what you want to do. Right. Because you have to declare your major. And that's insane to me. Just thinking about it now, like I have an almost 10 year old. I'm 18 years post 18 year old. And like now thinking about an 18 year old, I feel like they're a baby. Yeah. And also the idea that eight years from now he's going to be making serious decisions about you know what he's going to do with the rest of his life and you can always change your major i know that people are probably going to say that and you can make you can you know change along the uh, along the way but it is interesting because you are still especially in this day and age it's not like you know a long time ago in history when you were 18 i think you were much more of an adult because society kind of put that on you Mm. now you know I just you know I know people and um my you know thinking of my own students too that are going off to high school and stuff it's you know it takes a little time to grow up uh in this uh modern age that's so and it's probably also has a lot to do with parenting but anyway so back so yeah so you're 18 you're a baby and you're figuring out what you want to do for the rest of your life I have no idea how I got to my major but I the only thing I can chalk it up to is I my sister was a teacher my mom was a teacher I didn't want to be a teacher I have no idea what my brother went to school for which is fucked up but I'll ask him I guess yeah, I don't know either. but my brother ended up in sales which like my dad was in sales um 
And I don't know, I don't even think I knew enough about that to like decide if I wanted to do that. Um, but I was a rom-com girl and like Kate Hudson was always like running around the city and advertising with a coffee and in cute outfits. Again, so weird because that's not 100%. But it looked like fun to you. But it looked like fun. And the city was like, oh my God, that's like so um, beautiful and cool and... It looks like it doesn't smell like shit there. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look dirty. Um, So, okay, I'm going to be in marketing. And I don't remember. From jump, it was definitely not what I expected it to be. But I also will give a little bit of a, a background, which is I come from a very traditional family. We're not a lot of, we're not, really risk takers which is like true and not true because my dad actually did end up taking a risk in the end and like but maybe his business was a lot older too he, he was older and his business was like established um so it's like you go to college and you find your career like you don't you don't stray from what tradition what's traditional and so i knew that like i had to go to college and like have a career I didn't even there was not even a thought in my mind to not do that um or a thought in your mind to 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 go to college for something very um obscure mm. like I'm, I'm sure it had to be something that um was going to be relevance not the right word but I guess like some uh, you, a, a major where you have to I guess stability yes yeah, stability, stability which was bullshit uh <laughs> but yeah just well i actually to that point i think marketing was scary to them because they didn't know anything about that yeah they're probably um, right and i actually feel like anyway whatever it's not important but so marketing cool here's what people don't talk to you about in my world and actually i'll even say in general interviewing is an asshole, for lack of a better word. <laughs> it's an asshole. And it's an asshole no matter what, right? Like, I'll get into the uh, intricacies of my experience, but even, like, you know, I, all through college, not to, like, toot my own horn, but was assistant manager at the Children's Place. And with that, I had to interview. And I remember I was dating you at the time when I went in my first interview at uh, Children's Place, and I handed in my application, and I think you, like, have an interview in that second or something. So go interview. Leave. And you said to me, you were like, could you look any less happy? And I was like, well, what the hell? Like, what am I supposed to look like? I don't, you know? And I guess in hindsight, somebody could have prepared me or helped me for an interview. But, like, an interview is scary. I will equate it exactly to um being a good or a bad test taker like there's people who thrive in school in debate in conversation in even their own project work writing papers but when it's test taking time forget it yeah it's over um and i don't know if i was 100 percent that person but i but i did um what is the word stage fright mm-hmm. i suffered from stage fright and 
sorry, my computer is just dinging and I wanted to turn that off. So, so, you know, interviews are scary, but take it to the next level. You're going on a job interview for like your career. And at every step of the way, I actually probably will take it back to the children's place interview. somebody's trying to get you. So something that I say a lot when I'm having conversations about this topic is that we're never thinking about the interviewee. We're never having empathy and compassion. And I know that those are words that aren't necessarily used when you're talking about this type of an event, but we're never having empathy or compassion for the interviewee. Because something else that a lot of my friends say to me often when I'm like, oh my God, I haven't heard back. Nobody, they didn't email me back. Blah, 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 blah. They're like, you're not their number one priority. Yeah, definitely not. Which is true. I don't think that the interviewee should always be the interviewer's number one priority. But if the interviewer is interviewing somebody that day, they should be taking that person into consideration somewhat. They should be a little bit compassionate and empathetic, maybe in the beginning even of the the interview, so that you're making the person feel comfortable. My idea of an interview is that you're getting to know the person. If this is like in the, in the business world, which is my experience, you have a cover letter from this person, you have their resume, you have a gist for like what their abilities are. You're really trying to understand if they will mesh in this space. Your personality, is their personality going to make sense? And you are not getting this person's personality if you are... If you have this like aura of negativity or not, you're like the doors to yourself are not open also. So like I went on this interview for a company. I think it was an internship. And this was like my introduction to what this world was. And I kept going. Um, and f- I don't know why. First I interviewed with one person. That's another thing in my experience is that you interview with like at least two people but most of the time seven to ten people and that's horrifying like just think about your mouth being dry and like you're scared to ask for water I was scared to like you don't want like if you drink you might have to pee what if you like get so scared and you have to poo yeah god forbid in an interview oh my god and then how much worse that is if you feel like you have to poo throughout the whole thing um so the first guy's in, we're meshing, like getting along fine. I feel comfortable. The next guy comes in and I don't know why I did this. I was 18 and I guess I like crossed my arms or something. And he was like, oh, is that what you were taught? You were taught like crossing your arms was a good idea and really welcoming. And I was like, whoa. And then I didn't know what to say because he was like aggressive toward me. And I was just this like little pipsqueak. He did not make me feel like I could be me and like express my and like show off. Right. Right. Because you're there's like a spotlight. You're supposed to show off. And how can you show off if you are scared? Well, it's tough, too, because, I mean, there's cultures where you don't look uh, authority figures in the eye. Like you're Mm. not you're, you're taught at a young age to not do that. So what is that like in an interview process? Like, you know, the. Uh, to kind of bring it to my world of school, like, you know, discussing cultural responsiveness and all that, uh, which is very important, but I don't know how effectively 
that's being discussed in the interview process as well because someone may be doing something in the interview and it has absolutely nothing to do with the interview or the person giving the interview and it's or just, their ability to do the job yeah the ability to do the job it's just something that is either a quirk of themselves or it's a part of their culture and uh, culture is not just what you eat and what you celebrate there's tons of different types of uh you know traits. ideas of, and traits of culture yeah so yeah and what's when my last job actually which i'll get into in a second the interview process was completely different it was awesome and i you know was at a place where I was interviewing people and I was part of like helping to build culture at this company and one of the things we talked about a lot was what you just said which is we can't be cutting people off at the knee is that the saying the ankle doesn't sound good so sure (laughs) (laughs) because they don't have a bubbly personality like like I might have or they don't have the same hobbies or they're a little bit um socially awkward like we can't those can't be the only reason like the reasons why you're cutting somebody off because everybody's personality is different you want to they might you might be screwing yourself out of an excellent worker that's the whole point too is you're trying to get down to like a good efficient worker teammate um there's just like a lot that goes into it and in a way it just seems like i was i think turning turning like being antithetical to what i said at the beginning of this which is like you want to get to know the person and see if they fit in and if you're interviewing somebody that might be a little bit socially awkward you might then cut them off but they might be awesome um, so it's needless to say, there's just so much that's going into this interview. Yeah. And I, I also don't think that I don't think the interview process is a, is a part of the false expectation because I really don't know anybody that enjoys that, uh, excuse me, enjoys that part. I of, bet you I'm telling you there's people who enjoy it. it. Wait, that are giving the interview or going on the interview? Both. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, people enjoy weird shit. So... <laughs> But, like, I, I don't know. Uh, going on interviews and all that stuff, I don't – me personally, I don't think that's part of the false expectation. I think the expectation is – or the false expectation is, like, where you're at in your career and you're 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, and you're just, like, looking back into your life and you're like, well, how the hell did I end up here? Yeah, well, I – for me, the false expectation is both of those things. Well, it's, like, it, it encompasses the whole experience. Yeah, it's, course. like, A – you're 18 and you're figuring out what you want to do for the rest of your life, the rest of your life could be 70 years. Yeah. That's crazy, A. B, uh, just the whole process of it all. So for me, the interview process was extreme. I thankfully, um, you know, had some conversations with a family member of mine who, like, prepared me for, like, one of my first jobs. But that interview was so scary. Like, you're in a place for three hours. You're talking to several people. You have to constantly be on. Maybe you also have to make sure that your outfit is, like, fine. Well, also, you invest. Like, you just said three hours. Like, and I'm sure sometimes it's even longer. And, like, by the end of the day uh, um, of interviewing, I'm sure sometimes – I mean, I haven't had this experience, but I can only imagine – you know, if you're spending multiple hours in a place, there may be a part of your mind, if especially if you feel like it's going well, 
where you actually feel like a part of the place that day. Totally. And, and like, then it fucks your mind over because then if you don't get the job, you're like, well, what the hell? And I understand that's a part of life, but still, it just sucks. Yeah, but also... That's a false expectation within itself. Totally. And something else that I didn't even get into is like when you're applying for jobs, you're, you have to create a cover letter, you have to create a resume... And depending on the job, you're like curating your cover letter so that it's different for every single job that you're applying to. Sometimes you're doing that with your resume. So imagine just like the time spent for that. Then the time spent on prepping for an interview. So like me personally, when I have an interview coming up, I spend upwards of a week prepping for an interview. I take notes on the company. I like put together marketing campaigns just in case they ask me a question on like how I might do X, Y, and Z. That is a shit ton of time. And then things can happen like something that happened to me recently, which is I prepped for this job. And no matter what, like when you're interviewing, you're acting like you want that job, right? Because otherwise, what are you going to spend time working on preparing for this conversation? And I uh, I spent a week, hours, ready to go, and two hours before the guy was like, oh, we're actually not going. I'm so sorry, but we are actually not going to hire for this role right now. Yeah. And honestly, I almost jumped out the window. Of our one-story place. <laughs> or uh, one of where you, we were in Jersey City. We were in Jersey City. So yeah, you, that would have been bad. It, it, what a time suck. What a brain fuck. Like, just the whole thing of it. And and that's actually a point where I really started thinking about, like, really? Like, is this the thing? And then the part of me is like, but you can't take risks. That's not part of your DNA. And we're in a, like, a now, especially, like, we're in a pandemic and, like, whatever. But obviously kept chugging along. Well, to to kind of wrap up this interviewing part of all this, mm-hmm. what is the solution then? Because it's not this is not a topic that is just uh, about your um, experience in in marketing and advertising. This is something it's everywhere. Bigger. It's like yeah, it's bigger. Like, and how do you? I feel like the interview process is probably something that hasn't changed very much theoretically in a very very long time. I do really think that there are ways for the interview process to change and I do hope that one day I'm in a hiring position. I'm in a position where I can hire a team in the way that I think is the right way to hire a team. And to that word team um I think that's not used enough, and and if it's used, it's not um, real or executed because you don't feel like you're part of a team at most times. You feel like there's this, like, holier-than-thou thing that's happening. Um, For me, my ex, that's, you know, my experience. Yeah, and it's not, I don't think it's, like, sour grapes coming from you because you've gone on a million interviews. It's more about just, coming up with a better process for everybody and also honoring everybody's time because it's not a, you're not going to get every job you apply for. You're going to get, you know, 1% of all the job. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get that one job and everything yeah. else you apply for is like it's not technically a success. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of the process, but just a way to honor 
people's time and uh, just make the experience as quick as possible and as efficient as possible. It's something to be thought about. Yeah, quick and efficient is something that I think about a lot too because there could be a time where the, where you don't mesh. And like why are you keeping somebody for three hours um, Yeah, that's true. Too. when they like, don't mesh? And there's a way to do that so that you're not making the person who's being interviewed feel like shit like oh i totally failed this because i have seen people just like abruptly be like don't even go in there she's horrible and it's like how does that person feel like it should be okay to do it the other way too like if you're not feeling the job like would i don't know you answer this like would you be if i'm going to apply to your job uh your uh, company and you're the interviewer and then we're speaking for like 20 minutes how would you feel if i said Oh, you know, Dina, you know, I'm just not feeling this. Or I'm not going to say it like that, but like, look, I I just, I don't think this is going to work out and I really don't want to waste any more of your time. I think that's fine. See, I think it's fine too, but I think a lot of people are scared to do that because because they're like, oh shit, I just burned the bridge and they're going to be so pissed off at me. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's wrong. I think that in the interview process, you're in, I actually... Sorry that we're spending so much time on interviewing. I have a lot more to get to. But I actually was uh, talking to a recruiter before an interview. And she was like, try not to talk so much. Because this person, I don't remember what the reasoning was. It was like, this: if this person that's interviewing you talks a lot, then you know that the interview is going well. Because they... And I'm like, because they don't want to hear from me. Isn't, like, aren't I also interviewing you? I tend to have a lot of questions in an interview because I want to know if I'm going to like it there too. And so I think that the interview process is antiquated. It's scary. I don't think it's, for anyone, like, let's, like, talk about for a second, like, we're in a pandemic. I've been looking for a job for 10 months. And I've, I would say in my... 36 years I've had probably 120 plus phone screens interviews um and that's a lot and of those I've only gotten right like a handful of jobs and I would say 90% of those 100 and whatever have been horrific I felt like I was And that's my own fault. Getting nervous before is fine. That's perfectly fine. But like in it, when you're like in the thing. Yeah, just knowing that it's wrong. It's just been a bad experience. And I think that there's there are ways and I would love to like work with companies to figure out ways to make sure that it's right for both the interviewer and the interviewee. The interviewee opens up, feels comfortable enough to actually show you themselves. Well, I'm sure there's some recruiters that do a better job of that maybe than what you've experienced. Sure. But, um, but the fact, so like now we're in a pandemic, right? And I don't know. I, I, for a second, I just would like to talk about several different stages that people are in in this pandemic um first there's none you only have to work from home say that you're single you don't have kids maybe even you're in a relationship so what you're talking about all the different i guess stages well not stages but like where people are at right yeah, now. yeah 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 okay um 
Some people are none. There's no change. Same exact life. Some people are still going to work every single day and nothing has changed. Um, some people, the only thing that's changed is that they have to work from home. Same salary, same job. Their kids are home. It's really annoying for those of you who don't have kids. And it's just hard to efficiently do your job when your kids are, you know, constantly needing you. Um, people who have lost their jobs. So you're home and you can't get a job. People have lost their lives. People who have gotten really sick. And so potentially maybe they, maybe. They can't work. They can't work. Maybe they have a job, but they can't like do it well because they're sick. People who've had to move because of job loss or caretaking responsibilities or. Or when you were talking about sick people taking care of others that like you, you may be taking care of a family member that either has COVID or something else uh, related to it or whatever. Right. People who've been trying to get a job for almost a year. Um, And yeah, there's like a joke that's going around. And especially when there was like the additional money that people were getting, which is like, why would anybody want a job? They're getting paid more to not work. There are actually people who, even though they're getting unemployment, want actual jobs. That's, I'm, I fall in that, right? Like I, yes, it's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's great that I'm getting unemployment because it's not. Um, our family personally took a very big hit from this pandemic. Um, and so I've been like trying to get a job for almost a year is really stressful and hard. Um, there's people who can't feed their families like, or maybe they're only a single income home and the income is taken away and they literally can't put food on their tables. Maybe for the first time ever, they're having to go on on um to food banks to get food for their families and through all of this turmoil and trauma nothing seemingly has changed with the process of having to get a job and something that I didn't talk about is not only is you know the interview process maybe not welcoming or doing the best job in opening up the interviewee But there's people who go as interviewers to try and get the interviewee. Like, let me see if I can make them fuck up so hard that they feel like a total asshole. And they'll walk out of here thinking, ha, 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 that George really got me. Yeah, they'll go get drinks. Well, not now, but, like, they they would go get drinks later, happy hour, and then, like, talk about how they just, like, oh, my God, you got to hear the end. I literally, at a company that I was at, this guy loved doing that. Yeah. And that is masochist? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody will correct me. Um, like, why are we trying to get people? I understand that not everybody's going to get the job they're out for and not everybody's going to be the right fit. I'm not saying that's not the case. But the fact that we're trying to get people is so despicable to me. And I can't stand behind it. And I also understand that there's a part of an interview process where you want to see how the person thinks, which also I don't 100% agree with because. What's more important? How they're getting the thing done or how they thought to get there. Or did they just get it done? Yeah, like I don't. That frustrates me and I don't agree with it. So anyway, that part. We're talking about the interview a lot. A lot. Like, I do want to get back to the whole idea of the false expectation. Like, I'd love to hear you talk more about 
you know, it's just the idea you were you started all this talking about today's false expectation about the career mm-hmm. and like where where are you now or like how it all gets started. Yeah. Um but something that I wanted to get into before like is it okay to start like reevaluating your job is really just more of the is what you expected as your 18 year old self as it is as your 25 30 year old self is the job that you vowed to do for quote unquote the rest of your life what you expected it to be and so for me right i talked about like but kate hudson was like had a coffee cup and like was walking around the city and i will say that paul and my mother-in-law that's literally how they would describe me to people when they were like what does dina do because what marketing is versus what I thought it was, um, there's a lot more to it, right? Like there's numbers and there's analytics and there's people who are stellar at that. Um, there's a creative side to it. There is um, a strategic side to it. There's there's a lot that goes into it that I wasn't 100% prepped for. Um, so that part for me was not 100% as I expected it to be. Well, yeah, and you learned it along the way through college and you're – jobs along the way as well but i think that's where your brain starts to turn and that's where the false expectation comes in and it's like well wait what a second. the fuck was i thinking yeah, yeah is this like... exactly what i wanted to do um for the rest of my life uh or not even for the rest of your life you look back and you say oh for the last 10 15 years but that's really another cool? thing that's like um why does it have to be the rest of your life well now i guess we can start discussing well, there's pressures, you know, well, and yeah. all the pressures. Well, yeah, wait, 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 wait. I just want to say one yeah, sure. thing. What? Sure. Yeah, oh, sorry. I thought you said pressure, and I was like, yeah, one second. Um, <laughs> my first marketing job wasn't in the city, right? And so I drove there every single day, and I remember the first time I drove there, like I had to park in a fenced-in lot that, like, scared me. And I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was like, I can't go in for this interview. And, like, thank God I did because it was – a very stable job that, you got it. <laughs> that I enjoyed for the most part. Um, but then I had the chance of like my dream was to work in the city. Now, when you say the city, you know, not everyone that's listening to this. Uh, oh, New York City, talking. Manhattan. Yeah. Hey, guys, I watched an episode of Top Model one time. This was years ago. And this Top Model girl was like, my dream was to like go to Manhattan And she's like, I didn't know it was so dirty and smelly. (laughs) Manhattan is a special place. You love Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not all glamorous. Like, it's not like you see it on TV. There's parts that smell. There's people who smell. There's dirt everywhere. If you're, like, a clean, organized person, like, there's dirty spots that, like, you're not going to love. The building that you work in might not be, like, from the, what's that movie with Anne Hathaway that was a book? Devil Loves Prada. Like, it's not Condé Nast all the time. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, And I, the falsest of all my expectations was the commute. And so it looks so glamorous when you're like jumping out and trying to get a cab in your high heels, which is insane to me. But when you're taking a train into the city, it's also not glamorous. For me, I had to take what is called the path. and It's basically a subway. Yeah, it's a subway from New Jersey into Manhattan. And 
there first of all also i should talk about that i would step outside my house and it would be 30 degrees so i'd be wearing like a jacket and a hat because like that's what you're supposed to do and like my body's temperature doesn't work like i think it's supposed to by the time i get to the train i'd be dripping in sweat so then i'd have to then wear this jacket onto the smushed train where sometimes you're like in somebody's face that didn't brush their teeth that day this is pre-masks pre-covid um sometimes like you're sitting and like somebody's like butt is in your face or like i'm standing and yeah, like that's a rookie mistake to sit because you're I definitely know, getting but, an ass in your face or like a private part um <laughs> sweat like people's like sweat or like people don't dry their hair so like their wet hair it's not glamorous then you potentially have to walk and there's like more sweating i remember the first time i went <laughs> to this um, my last job the first day the my bosses were like the nicest people and like opened the door for me as I got there and like went to give me a hug and I said to them nobody wants to hug this this is a sweaty person yeah. then and you so, cross your arms well then I would get so, <laughs> again and then I would get so angry because I was like I can't wear nice clothes I sweat through them um and so just the whole idea around it the expectation of what that whole part is was false for me something else that's uh, that's a little bit crazy is like there's verbiage 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 you're right that's used that people don't use in like everyday life um so there's like a vocabulary that you have to like wrap your head around um and i'm a very like what did I say in the last episode? Like, don't give an F, fine. But there's also, like, another word. Um, conforming. I don't I don't like to conform to, like, you have to do this thing. Is that the right word? Um, yeah, I guess if everybody in the office is saying that but word. Um, I don't want to say it. Yeah, you're just, like, you don't you, – you might feel – you may feel it's a little cultish or something like that. Yeah, so I – so maybe I just don't fit into this thing, right? So, like – so the false expectation for me is like I had to figure out at 18 quote unquote what I wanted to be when I grew up and was that the right decision as a 36 year old and then the whole thing that goes through my head is um is that okay is what okay is it okay to like change your career as a 36 year old as a 37 year old is it okay to take a risk is it okay for uh, i keep bringing this up because it's like the thing that that's resonating for me but like is it okay for me to like go work at sherwin williams for a little bit and like use that paint machine that i'm dying to use for just a couple of months while i figure it out can you are you allowed to figure it out again when you're 36 yeah definitely well, that's what you say. Yeah. Well, I so I think there's two parts to this because one is the actual false expectation where, okay, what do you do? You're in this predicament. You're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. But also living in the false expectation. How many people right now are just at their job? Even though, you know, like I, everyone's, I'm sure right now, very, very happy that they have one if they have one. Right. Like, Let's pretend this isn't pandemic time either. And I'm hopeful that, you know, one day we won't be talking, oh, well, it's a pandemic, you know. So mm -hmm. hopefully sooner rather than later, we're discussing this in a different way. But um, where I was going with that was shit. I, forgot. I know where you're going. Okay. So if you have a job, are you 
isn't as you expected it to be? Or are you sitting in discomfort, but you feel like you need to stay there because of right, yeah. traditional... So there's all, exactly. So there's all these um, forces on the outside that are, you know, whether it's bills, you're a parent, you got to pay for things, your kids need this, your family needs this, you like where you live, you like what you're doing. And there's a lot of risk involved in making that change. But the, I think the real false expectation and the question is, how much of sitting in that, how much does that impact everything else in your life? Like, is it worth doing the thing that you don't like to do? So that you can do the things that you do like to do. Well, that's number one, yeah. So it, it, uh, it gives you opportunities to do other things. But, like, think about, like, if you're not happy, like, you're working eight hours a day, at least, people in general. If you're not happy there, how much impact is that creating on the rest of your life? Are your relationships as good as they need to be? Are you as good of a parent as you need to be? Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of the conversation always comes down to money. It comes down to money. Like, oh, I can't make a change in my life even though I want to because um, w there's going to be too many other changes. And that's where the discomfort comes in. And that's where, you know, that that's where I kind of see this false expectation going. Yeah, I actually think that's fair and maybe a good place to end with a question but it is like it, it sort of a little bit makes me think about the Marie Kondo shit where it's like throw out stuff and sorry if you're hearing weird noises because Paul keeps touching his mic and uh, table yeah. he's not a podcast connoisseur guys um, it, it how much is like, does your job, is your career or job supposed to bring you joy? And now that is not to say that there are definitely people who work eight hours, leave, never think about it again. I knew people like that. Um, they not were everyone just, could do that, though. That's the hard so, yeah, part. So not everybody can disconnect so quickly. And especially nowadays when we have phones on us yeah, and that, your job exactly. never escapes you. You're not allowed to disconnect. Well, not not allowed, but it's very difficult to. It's very difficult to disconnect. It's very difficult to ignore that email you just got pinged about mm -hmm. until the morning and then be a good hands-on spouse, partner, parent, friend, daughter, because you're thinking about something else. And so how much does that impact? I mean, for me, that lack of happiness in that eight to ten hour day strongly affects my mentality for the rest of my day and so is that enough to make a risky or scary change so that maybe there's a little bit more happiness in your or joy that's a word I've been using a lot lately um to make a little bit more joy in your life and maybe you ha can go on less vacations well I mean it could eventually lead to more but it's just finding the worth and the value. Like, is it worth, is it worth me being unhappy for eight hours a day, or even just mediocre? Like, oh, okay, I'm here for eight hours of your day, a third of your life, to do other things. The other part of your life, like, yeah. I think that two things that I will leave you guys with are what Paul just said. How much does happiness? How much do you value? 
happiness over. How much are you willing to take? <laughs> yeah. I do think that comes down to money a lot, though. But So a couple things. One is, are, is there anybody else out there whose job slash career is not what they expected? Um, like, is your experience, is your expected experience reality? Um, or, to me, is the false expectation actually that it's not 100% accurate to have the experience you expected? And I will leave you with this note. My father, in his 50s, um, decided to take on a side job that he had, which was he did alarm systems on the, on the side. He started doing some electrical work. In his 50s, he was like, this sales stuff is just too stressful. He did a lot of startup-y stuff, too stressful. 100% dedicated himself to being an, a licensed electrician. Um, and I asked him one day, do you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, ugh, I don't want to go to work today? And his answer to me was, no, I never say that to myself. So I would leave you guys with, do you? ever say no when you ask yourselves that question thank you for listening to false expectations uh don't forget to subscribe to us anywhere you listen follow me on instagram at false expectations pod review us rate us like us share us talk to you next week